Salutations, welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Today we're going to talk about ideas and flow, the good life, and resources for our mindfulness toolboxes. Today in episode 16, Befriending Boredom, we're going to re-examine our relationship with boredom. Prior to getting ready for this episode and compiling all the show notes, I had a couple of preliminary discussions with some friends about this idea of befriending boredom. And I was surprised at how taken aback some people were initially in terms of the idea that boredom is something that can be befriended. People were identifying like, you know, boredom's bad. It's painful to experience. It's torturous to experience. And it leads to unhealthy decisions about how people spend their time and the things that they're going to do and engage in and that you know especially if we're thinking about our youth of today that it often in terms of the risky behavior involves illicit substances and copious amounts of alcohol and engaging in questionable behaviors over social media and so I stopped and I took pause and I thought, hmm, maybe perhaps we should, like an appropriate response to boredom would be perhaps panic. Like, no, like, okay, quickly act like we're in a desperate place. Or maybe the goal should be to banish boredom from our lives, from our experiences, or we should avoid at all costs boredom. But the more I thought about it and the more research I did, I still stand by my position that we can befriend boredom, that we don't have to panic, and that boredom's an invitation for self-discovery, and that we can, because of boredom, learn about our interests, values, needs, beliefs, intentions, and we can start making contributions to the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in Outliers in terms of mastering something that we're passionate about. In terms of a point of departure, I think we should start with the definition of what boredom is. According to Miriam Webster, boredom is a state of being weary and restless through a lack of interest. And Hans Wilhelm, in a TED Talk, adds a thought to that STEM definition and believes that boredom is a state of being weary and restless through lack of interest and a lack of distractions. This idea of distractions is usually linked to technology. That there are concerns that, you know, the sole purpose of cell phones, if we're honest with ourselves, is that we're never going to be bored again. Uh, there's this idea called face procrastination that I recently became aware of, and let's call it the word of the day. And it's a play on procrastination. The idea is that when we're supposed to be doing something, when we have a project that we should be focusing on or schoolwork that we should be attending to, deadlines that we should be thinking about, that because of lack of interest, people decide to tune out and get caught up in different vines and threads and different social media forums. And that at the end of the day, after a final analysis, we realize that nothing meaningful took place. And we engage in a really unproductive experience. This definition does 
identify that when we're talking about boredom, it's it's not necessarily something that is pleasant to experience. But my question is, could there still be some benefit? So for me, boredom is like any other feeling. It's neither good nor bad. It could feel good or it could feel bad in terms of whatever particular emotion we're talking about. But feelings in and of themselves are information about how we're doing in the world. So I think an additional quote that I'd like to start off with, which frames my initial thesis, I guess, is that we can befriend boredom comes from a video that you can watch on YouTube called The Scientific Benefits of Boredom. And it goes as such, in the absence of boredom, one would remain trapped in unfulfilling situations and miss out on many emotionally, cognitively, and socially rewarding experiences. Boredom is both a warning that we are not doing what we want to be doing and a push that motivates us to switch our goals and our projects. Initially, I thought a good question that I could ask is, or a statement I could make is that there's no time to be bored. I mean, from the idea that life is, you know, in in that uh, sense, a snap of the fingers, that's how quickly life goes by. My initial thought was, you know, there is no time to be bored. But then I thought perhaps I need to put a question mark on the end of that. There's no time to be bored. Perhaps there could be some benefit and value in us not necessarily generating moments of boredom, but when we do discover that we're having a moment of boredom, that we attempt to befriend it. So in terms of some history, which I think is interesting, we can go to vocabulary.com. They identify that uh, the word boredom comes from something called a boring tool, which is a kind of drill that works slowly and repetitively. So you can get the image of someone using this older technology, and it's just hours that are passing. It's monotonous. It's mind-numbing and actually probably pretty painful because we're not moving too much from that spot as we're kind of stuck in that task of just helping that drill make its way through whatever it is that we're drilling. Around uh, 1768, bore, meaning to be tiresome, eventually became a popular slang and boredom soon followed. In a TED Talk by Genevieve Bell, she says that boredom entered the English language in 1852 in a Dickens novel called Bleak House. She noted that when it enters the English language during the Industrial Revolution, it started to be linked with two things. One with morality, this idea that boredom is bad, it should not be admitted, it should be avoided at all costs. And uh, with this idea of overwhelming choice that in the marketplace where there are all these new conveniences and options that uh, we, we got overwhelmed and that there's a kind of a, a paralysis that takes place because of it. With this kind of like historical kind of thought, it makes me think that boredom is experienced differently now than perhaps ideas that might have been connected with it in generations past. I wondered to myself when I was coming up with this topic whether you know someone from the silent generation, generations ago, you know, before the baby boomers, did they get bored? Was there time to be bored? Was there so much that had to be done and not enough or not as many distractions like we see are available for the millennials and Gen Z and uh, Gen Alpha that's up and coming, that there are new strategies that are required to tackle the challenges that come with boredom that is this kind of more or less modern day phenomenon. And 
you wonder if there are kind of parallels in terms of the increase of anxiety, the increase in depression, and the increase in this experience of boredom that people are now talking about. So what are the benefits of boredom? Well, there are a number of benefits of boredom. There are three in particular that kind of stood out for me. But I do want to say that another article I, I read identified that we're kind of in the early stages. We're in the infancy of the scientific understanding of boredom. But what we can say is that people that engage in boring activities generally seem to, in comparison to people in control groups that were not engaged in boring activities, they have higher levels of creativity, they have higher levels of altruism, and they have these opportunities for self-reflection. There's a part of the brain that is connected in such a way that it's referred to as the default mode network. And what's been discovered is that when a person's not doing anything, and we might think that nothing's happening up in uh, those lobes up top in, in the left and right hemispheres and the prefrontal cortex and throughout, is that the arresting brain continues to show highly complex and organized patterns of activation. And when we're not doing anything in particular, our minds are constantly busy with thoughts, plans, memories, sensations, and more. So it's during those moments when we find ourselves bored and we engage in this thing called daydreaming that we have an opportunity to engage in this thing called autobiographical thinking. Or if we don't engage in it, that during these moments, these moments foster autobiographical thinking and planning. And that when this is happening, people are often seeing the big picture of life and they're identifying and recognizing things that are meaningful and important to them. And then they can start to do some long-term goal planning in terms of orienting their lives. So for me, boredom and anxiety are essential in making us mindful about the need to know who we are. They're kind of like wake-up calls that are suggesting that you don't know yourself well enough, you're not acquainted with yourself well enough, and you need to start experimenting, exploring different activities and things so you can figure out who you are, so you can get passionate about something, and then you can start to engage in contributing those 10,000 hours that are going to make you successful at whatever it is that's important to you. Our default mode when we're talking about boredom is to engage in distracting activities. My thought is that boredom can be an invitation to know ourselves, but our default is to want to get away from those unpleasant feelings because some people are reporting it feels like a painful torture and that we're going to distract ourselves and often the distraction is in the direction of face procrastination. But my question is, are all distractions equal and should we be quick to engage in distracting behavior or should we allow ourselves to at least sit in the boredom a little bit and perhaps learn something about ourselves and in the process foster creativity that could be helpful for other things that are important to us. My thinking is that not all distractions are equal. I think that there are a lot of mind-numbing things that we might do that after the fact we will recognize that we haven't really done anything of value with our time and it, it was really in a sense in the final analysis a waste. So that brings me to the showcase resource for this episode. And it's a web page called 60 Productive Websites to Spend On When You're Bored. 
And I really enjoyed looking through the list of suggestions. There are a number of different resources, and a lot of them were new resources that I had not come across. And I'm looking forward to diving in and clicking on some of those links and learning about myself in the process because these are more improve your life opportunities as opposed to watching stuff on YouTube that's kind of more or less nothing but mindless entertainment. But I was reassured that this would possibly be a good resource to share because I was quite familiar with a number of the other resources that were being offered as suggestions to check out. So they talked about, hey, you want to learn another language? Duolingo. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's just a couple of episodes ago. Uh, they talked about the Khan, ad, uh, the Khan Academy. And uh, then that's a place where you can watch educational vi- uh, videos. If you want to learn about mathematics, check out the Khan Academy. They did TED.com, the idea of spreading ideas. I'm constantly referring to different TED videos that I think people should listen to and watch because they're sharing some interesting ideas that I think can be life-enhancing. There is vocabulary.com. You want to increase your vocabulary. And uh, also there was Coursera and Laura Santos I talked about. She had that online course for the science of well-being. And it's it's paralleled by another similar kind of website called Open Culture, where you can access free cultural and educational media free university courses, audiobooks, and movies. So I'm not going to say much about it other than I'm going to offer it as a resource for you to look into. I think that distraction can be healthy at times. I just think that maybe we might not want to rush to get there and that there could be a lot of benefits if we change the way we think about boredom and we frame it as an opportunity to become closer to ourselves. So with that... I thank you for joining me once again at the Hopeful Humans Cafe for another tip of the iceberg conversation because that's what this was. We were just talking about some really basic thoughts and uh, depending on how you'd like to dive into this discussion on boredom, it would take us in different directions. Check out the show notes. There's a whole bunch of really interesting resources. Figure out if you want to put it in your spiritual toolbox. And I'd like to say I look forward to our next discussion. So until the next meeting of minds, from me to you, peace and take care.